I'm Aaron Broadus, and you're listening to the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast. Join me as I talk shop with some of Maine's most influential and passionate fly fishing folks about our diverse fisheries that make Maine such a special place to cast a fly. In Episode 7, I met with John Blunt, the owner of Grant's Kennebago Camps in Rangeley, Maine. John shared his fly fishing background and talked about how he came to acquire Grant's Camps. He also provided us with some history of the historic fishing lodge. He shared some awesome fishing stories, and his passion for fly fishing, especially on Kennebago Lake, is undeniable when he speaks. We also talked a little grouse hunting, which is another passion that John and I both share. We recorded this episode the week prior to the COVID-19 outbreak, and as of this update on May 5th, I know that Grants and other lodges in Maine are hurting for business, as out-of-state residents are not allowed to stay at their camps until at least July at this point. The fishing pressure is sure to be down, so if you're a Mainer or have been quarantined for two weeks in Maine, give John a call and book yourself a few great days this spring or summer in a little slice of heaven at Grant's Kennebago Camps. I was raised uh, in Saco. Okay. And up, up in North Saco and went to Thorn Academy, you know, the Saco School, Thorn Academy, and then graduated from uh, Wentworth Institute in Boston in aeronautical engineering. Wow. <laughs> How'd you get to that? Uh, you know, back in the 60s, there were a lot of, a lot of uh, astronauts was a big thing, and yeah. I wanted to be a pilot, and so started out with an aeronautical degree, and and uh, ended up getting my closest I got to being a pilot was back in the '90s. Later on in the '90s, I got my pilot's license. Okay. And just for like small, like float small, plane type small stuff. Small float planes. Sure. And stuff and uh, just you know the the expense of an airplane is is you know it was it's just too too much of a boy toy for me to own yeah so <laughs> a lot of people you know i'd rent a plane <laughs> yeah you know got, got a couple hundred hours in it but uh i when i was in college i i used to race boats okay and we used to do our own boat building and our own yep. on boat. the on the ocean oh uh, no uh in the new england circuit freshwater circuit oh okay different lakes yeah and down to connecticut maine and massachusetts new hampshire and used to build boats, repair boats, uh, build motors, rebuild motors. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then after college, uh, got married, uh, uh, had to sell the boats when the baby started coming along. Had yep. to get real. Time to get serious, right? Yeah. And uh, didn't care for. Uh, the cubicle work that came with engineering, and was doing some some uh, building summers. So I I went into building and and uh, remodeling, and then new construction, and then developing, and then that's where I got the money to buy the grant to put down on grants was developments that I had done in Saco. Um, and what year what year did you buy grants? Bought in 88. 88, okay. So I was doing my developments, you know, in the early to late 80s mm-hmm. and used that money to purchase 
grants. Was that a good time to be a builder in the 80s? Well, it was, but you know, every eight, eight or, every nine or ten years, there seemed to be a recession. Sure. So, you know, the only way you could prepare for that was I, I always did remodeling and, and new construction. And, you know, during lean times, you know, there's, you do more remodeling. Sure. During good, time, good times where the interest rates are low and people would prefer a new house. I, you know, so it just cycled that way. Sure. And I was always, I stayed in business for 41 years. And uh, it was always my goal to run grants when I retired. Yep. And so I, in 08, uh, when we hit another hard recession, I got out and just started spending my time up, up at Grant Summers. And then my That's wife. That's pretty good timing then. Finally. My wife retired in, so oh wait, I retired, and then she retired around uh, 2014. Okay. And then we started running the camps together. In the gotcha. last three years, we've been up there summers running the camps ourselves. Wonderful, that's awesome. So it's been a good retirement, and and uh, our kids and grandchildren enjoy it. Uh, it's it's fun. To, uh, I mean, my sons, all all of my grandkids, all five of them have bamboo fly rods already. Very cool. And the day they were born, they had, they had a hundred fifty dollar outfit. Very cool. They'll walk walk into the <laughs> delivery room and say, "Here you go." That's very so cool. So I've we've caught fish on those rods. Yep. Uh, That's special. So, uh, and my wife, my 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 son and daughter are both you know good fly fishermen and sure and their spouses so you know it's in our it's in the family and how old are your uh, grandkids around i've got uh twin twin uh 10 year old boys okay <laughs> and we've been fishing with them since they were five and and uh my my 13 year old granddaughter we've been fishing with him since she was five yeah and my two granddaughters are 19 and are 20 and 21 now we've been fishing with them <laughs> since they were five since they were five or yep. so yeah my daughter's four my oldest is four right now and i'm just starting to think about getting her out there on the water and yeah really just kind of getting after it so any uh any suggestions from all that <laughs> i mean you've got <laughs> grandkids to go through so well i i i think it's it's uh easier to teach a teach the casting into it from a dock or a boat. Okay. You know, and don't don't start them out on the river with no. trees and branches and rocks. Yeah, and a lot of moving water. Moving and, water. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and then, you know, you really can't trust them until they are eleven or twelve. Sure. So, you know, and if they're in a boat with you, uh, they're right there. Right. We're in a life jacket, so it's right. it's a it's a pretty safe place to teach a youngster. Okay. Uh, wearing a wear a life jacket. Did you try to get them out there when there was like you know dry, like good hatches and stuff going on so they help help their catch rate a little bit or? Uh, you do. Yeah. You know yeah. you want them to catch a fish. You, of course. You know and and, and size doesn't matter. No. It's a fish. Right. Right. So uh, I remember once we were fishing uh, uh, and Knowlton Pond up near. Baxter State Park, mm -hmm. 
And before Grants, we used to go up and fish the West Branch a lot. Sure. In the 70s and, eight, and, and early 80s. And there was a brook that came in. Yep. I had a 12-foot Starcraft that we'd row around. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could handle that alone. Yep. Go in the back, you know, the truck cap and and pack the camping gear and the kids in, in and go for the week, a long weekend. And I'd row up to the brook that came in, and and it was just full of brook trout. That's awesome. Baby brook trout. Sure. And I can I got a picture of my wife on this flat rock uh, holding on to my son's belt so he wouldn't fall in and he's about four or five sure and my daughter and i were anchored out in front of them yep and she's five years older she she would have been about nine or ten and we're just catching fish and i think that's what that's That's really got them going we'll uh turn them into lifelong uh fisher you know it'd be a lot of enjoyable days after that do they both still fish a lot yeah both well, my son is a is a fanatic. Uh, Can't like blame you, him there. Like me. Can't blame him there. Uh, the girls not so much, but uh, when they come up to camp, <clears throat> uh, I can still get him in the boat. Sure. And we can still go fish. You know, we still get them to go fishing. But uh, Bob, my son, is you know, you know, really cast well. Sure. And and my daughter. Uh, really, really does a good job. Very cool. Uh, but how did you uh, how did you get into fly fishing? Like, how did you? Well, catch that's the, interesting because I I didn't I didn't really uh, I on my own uh, I, out of college I I call if call around to see if there are any of my old high school friends still around. Sure. And uh, a buddy of mine named Ricky Prokey uh, was married, lived in Waterboro. I looked him up. And we started hanging out, camping together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, uh, uh, he asked if I wanted to go fly fishing one evening. And I said, I don't have any gear. He said, well, I'll let you use my wife's fly rod. So we went to uh, Newfield, fished uh, the Little Osby River. Yep. yep. And I was just banging around with it mm-hmm. and caught three brook trout. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and Your first time knew, out? Knew nothing. Wow. And so I took a couple of classes at L.L. Beans mm-hmm. that winter. They used to teach fly casting in their their storage, their warehouse. Oh, no kidding. And uh, yeah, That makes sense. Before they had all the yeah, facilities so they have now. Yeah, so you'd be inside and teach you on a concrete floor. Cool. Had a cast, and and I uh, took my first tying lesson from there. Then I I would meet different people on the river at the campgrounds that were tying flies at the Big Eddy on the west branch of the Penobscot up sure. near Baxter. And I picked up the fly tying end of it from there and took off with it. Yeah, those guys are all pretty serious up there. There's some guys that stay there all season, right? They're yeah, and that's what we did. I The first trip up there, uh, we were setting up camp, and my, my son disappeared. Uh, the baby had crawled over to the next campsite, <laughs> And Bill Mankovich and, and Tina were there from Connecticut, and they were having a grand conversation with my son. Cool. And uh, Bill taught me how to fish a streamer on the West Branch, and uh, another buddy of mine, uh, 
from Hartford, Connecticut, uh, Bill Ludkowitz, taught me uh, the dry fly end of it. Yep. And then uh, he used to fish the Farmington down there. And uh, so several trips to the West Branch of the Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, dozens of trips to the West Branch of the Delaware, Pulaski, New York. Yep, so you've gone up and done the Salmon River and stuff. Done the Salmon area. River and Pulaski. Sure. Done, done the Delaware, the West yep. Branch of the Delaware. That's down in uh, Ross, like Roscoe, right? Hancock, Roscoe. Ha- Hancock, done the Beaverkill and Roscoe. Yep. Yep. Stayed in Roscoe, usually, and commute from there. Cool. And so my Bill taught me the dry fly end of it. Because the, they're super, super technical and it's into all their dry fly, fly fishing it's down there. Very technical down there. They know like the, they know like the not even the day that the Hendrickson hatch is going to come in. Right, it's like they know like what time it's going to be. Yeah, at, the Hendricksons, yeah. and they they've got a green drake down there, that is the, uh, uh, it, it's the eastern green drake. Now mm-hmm. we have on Kennebago Lake, the western green drake. Really, and. And we have the western brown drake on okay. the Kennebago. Yep. It's not the eastern. The eastern green lake, green drake, looks like it's lime. Yep. It's lime colored with white wings. Okay. And and uh, the the western it's green darker. lake is darker. Yeah. Gray wing, uh, olive olive body. Sure. Or or brown with a little yellow in it. Yep. For the brown drake, but with the gray wing, and it's got the modeling on the wing, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's very distinguishable, and I I think it's because the lake is at elevation seventeen hundred, more like out west. Interesting. And so when you drop down into the Beaverkill, yep, and you know you're much York, lower, you're it's much, much lower. lower altitude, yeah, and they've got that big lime green one down there. Very cool. And the fish go nuts for them yep. in both places, and the end of June. When did they get their hatches down there? Their Same. Drake hatches. Uh, we we uh, would always go down m- around Memorial. Okay. In, in early June. Yeah. Uh, the West Branch of the Delaware. Okay. And we'd get uh, Hendrickson's, mm-hmm. big Hendrickson's down there. Yeah. As well for us, you know we have, uh, but but uh, their Hendrickson's are on the way out, and and they're getting their. Uh, their drakes are coming. Their drakes in. hatching, and then our Hendricksons are really peaking at that time. Sure. And then we don't get our drakes until the end of uh, June. Yeah. Middle to the end yeah. of June. So what are we about a month behind down there? You think? A good yeah, what three weeks? Three weeks, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty used to seeing in the Rangeley area the Hendricksons like the first week in June or just on the backside of Memorial Day. Or oh yeah, oh yeah, both sides of Memorial, you yeah. know. Red this year it's early Blue too, Duns, but we've had an early spring. Black so. Nats, those yep. are all your your Memorial Day. But uh, where I streamer fish, you know the the black nosed days. We've got a we've got the uh, the rainbow smelt. Uh, they're about six inches long. Yeah, are they in Kennebago Lake? Kennebago Lake. Yeah, and they spawn early May, and then. When they're done, the black nose days take over. Okay. And they're that's memorial. So that's what we're fishing, those two flies. Yeah. And out on the lake where uh mi- mixed in, we're getting uh well the Hendricksons are on the river. Sure. Where you know, where the 
smelt and the dacer hatching, yeah. the, the Hendrickson's are... Uh, so you're fishing Hendrickson's in the afternoon and you're fishing streamers in the morning. That's pretty cool. And then it's the same thing in the lake, but uh, the lake is deep. Mm-hmm. So you're fishing, you're fishing around the mouths of the brooks in the spring. Uh, smelt, smelt. Because they're going to spawn, right? They're going the to spawn. Yeah. So it's the same. It's the same dance. You're, you're fishing streamers early in the day, late in the day, and Hendrickson's, red quills, blue duns during the day. Yeah. And then uh, that is all over. And there's uh, a time. In between uh, the dace run being over and when the, the brown drakes start, the brown drakes start the hatch, and then they only last a few days, and then they're mixed in with the green drakes, and then the green drakes go for a couple of weeks. Well, that's the mid, the third week of June yep. to the middle of July. Uh, but there's a there's a dead spot in there where there's n- nothing going on, and. No caddis even? Caddis aren't really coming Yeah, the caddis is starting on the other end of the lake. So the other end of the lake is is uh, shallower. Yeah. And so we're always going down to the other end of the lake <clears throat> after we've got three brooks up on our end. And, and after the brook fishing is over there, what, what you may not realize is that the crayfish start out out of the deep water mm-hmm. and... We will do better with crayfish patterns in the middle of June after the uh, black moose dace the, is they're over. Moving to the they're moving into the shallows. Sure. So they spend the winter out in the in the deep water where it's warmer. Yeah. And they're moving into the rocks along the shallows. So are they? We'll is that because they're feeding? Flies. Are they feeding? Like, yeah, they'll they live eat, there all summer. In summer, yeah. Because yeah, you know you go down to nighttime down on the river or whatever. A lot of places in Maine and. You put your flashlight down in the water, you're going to see quite a few. Yeah, you see little orange fish. eyes looking up at yeah. you. Have you ever <laughs> eaten one? I have not, no. They're better than lobster. That's very interesting. They're, I think they are baby lobster. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think they're landlocked oh. lobster. Some of them get pretty big. The only, the only thing that. worth eating is the tail. Okay. It's uh, most meat in it, right? Yeah, there's meat in the tail, and it's very sweet, and it's very tasty. Interesting. Uh, and the kids used to catch them with flashlights at night. Cool. Something for the kids to do when you're uh, camping. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, always looking to entertain the kids. Very cool. And so we'll switch over from smelt and dace patents to crayfish patents. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're looking for the the uh, the drake catches to start, yeah. along with uh, some mixed in. And 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 with all the fir trees we have up there, we get ants uh, second week of June. Okay. So it, it, it takes three hot days. So it can, it can happen Memorial, it can happen anytime, but it takes three hot days. Yep. And the ants live in the rotten core of all the evergreens that are up there. Yep. And the cracks, tr- those trees have cracks in them from the wind. Yeah. And the ants will fly out uh, in the spring mm-hmm. after that 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 trunk of that tree warms up, they get active. And we, f- we find that you can, uh, so I'll, I'll give you one neat story. Uh, uh, we were fishing, I had a client and his son and we were fishing the shallow end, the other end of the lake. It was probably around the third week of June 
And we were catching, we caught the green drake hatch incredibly well. That whole north shore, they, they moved right up the north shore to yeah. our deeper into the lake later in June and into July, and they end up, so the, the other end of the lake where it's shallow starts fishing good about the middle of June, and then our end of the lake catches up and warms up, and then the hatch moves right up no to our end of the lake. How long does it take the hatch to go from one end about to the other? About two weeks. Really? I yeah, from one, on the north side. Yeah. That's all it's, temperature dependent? It's all temperature dependent. Sure. And depth. You want, you need 10 feet or so, and and you need uh, silty, muddy, uh, uh, s- sandy, muddy bottom, mm-hmm. and that's that's where the drakes live. And, and the fish... You you catch a you'll catch a fish that'll be that its stomach will be bloated. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many. So you know I started fishing wet, trying to figure out well you know if they these things are going to hatch out in the after, evening, I'll what am I going to use for a wet fly? So I've developed uh, a nymph yeah and a procedure for fishing with a with a sink tip line. Very cool. And I I just uh, strip stop. Uh, and I catch a lot of fish when there isn't a hatch, but where the hatch is going to be, yeah. the fish will be feeding all day long. Sure. And then you'll catch them when the hatch starts on uh, top, too. Very cool. So, but getting back must be, to the must story. Must be fun to teach people that, though, that kind of full cycle, too, right? The full cycle. So I, yeah. I uh, learned a nymph fish on my own, mm-hmm. you know. The, uh, but uh, getting back to my story, I, I had the, this teenager and his dad, and... We were we caught a lot of fish. Uh, we we hit the green drake hatch. We were we were heading back in for lunch, mm-hmm. and we were coming up uh, the south side of the lake, which is the side we're on on the west end. And and there were there were some good fish coming up in front of the boat. And I said, "Geez, I says let's stop here and see what this is all about." It, the the rises were bigger, mm-hmm. and same day, we're talking like five minutes to get to this one spot. We're going up the other side of the lake, and and there's fish coming up. We got we got to try to catch some of these fish. So yeah. I, it's about noontime. It's like midday. Yeah, we we you know, we have lunch between twelve thirty and one thirty. So sure. it was probably somewhere around twelve o'clock. Yeah, and we could not catch a fish with the green drake. Mm-hmm. We could you not. What the hell's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking around. Yeah, and then. I see this brownish yeah, ant. This is the, amp, the flying ant. In the yeah, sun. Yeah, yeah. So I put an ant on, yep. and we were catching bigger fish mm-hmm. with the ant on that side of the lake, 200 yards away Incredible. from where the green drakes were hatching, right. and, and they wouldn't touch the green drake. And you line. just figured, because they were just hammering that part of the lake, oh, yeah, then they'll be taking them down here, too. Yep. They're just on to something totally yep. different. They're on totally something different. So shows you know, just how selective they really can be. They can be that way. Yeah. Uh, and so you, as you move around the lake, and you you know you'll find that uh, that the uh, smelt school up like like uh, you, you'll see on your depth finder. Uh, you'll see waves of them on the depth finder, mm-hmm. and the. The trout during uh, any time of the summer, any so th- this can happen 
this has happened this happened to me three times on the way home so we're coming back for dinner dinner's 5:30 to 6:30 and we're coming back for dinner and and I see fish up in front of me and uh so we'll stop uh and we're in deep water so there's, there's no hatches out there right and you might you might get something on a flying ant but I know it's it's smelt that they're chasing. Sure. They, they, there's a school of fish. Big fish have pushed a bunch of smelt up to the surface, yeah. and and they're just you know they're just uh, terrorizing them. So we'll put I'll I'll put streamers on mm-hmm. big black ghosts. Yep. And and uh, I I had we, we didn't go into dinner. Right, we stayed there until nine o'clock at night till yeah. it got dark, and then we went in. We were eating in the dining room at ten o'clock at That's night. That's a good reason to starve. That you know, I mean, you me. know, you, you, if you got a customer out there and he's driven all the way from Southern Maine or wherever. Southern New England, wherever, sure. and and you hit, you hit a you know a once a year uh, evening like that. Yep, if, you know. You know, I've always got a candy bar or something on the boat. That's right. You know, in water. Yep, so yep, yep. we, you know, we just, so one of my clients cool. uh, said, John, you fish. Uh, you know, I, both of my people were catching. I, 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 I literally didn't put the net down. Right. Because there's just fish after fish. Because if I put the net down, I had yeah. to bend over and pick it up again. Yeah. <laughs> so I just held onto the net. And I'd go cool. from netting one guy's fish to the other guy's fish. Yep. I said, John. We want you to fish. This is, you know, so after the, if somebody insists second or third time, yeah, you know, I, you know, maybe the first time they're just being polite. But if someone's asking you the second or third time, yeah, and after like, you've okay, ca- lost count, whatever, well, we're whatever. not even counting anymore, right, right. And right. and they're all like sixteen to twenty one, and they're oh. all good fat salmon. And Beautiful. so I I had this one instance where. Where so I, I would cast to the fish that they couldn't reach, mm-hmm. so we were all catching fish. They're, they're fishing right and left, and then I'm casting up at the bow of the boat, uh, and we're all working it out with our back cast, and and I, I had this fish coming right at the boat, so I I said Ray, I said uh, I says over here. I said I want you to catch this fish. And he said, well, how do you know there's a fish there? And I said, just, just trust me. And I'd seen the fish, like, cu- come up a couple of times. Every time it's yep. coming up, it's coming a little closer. What so were they I coming up for? They, they were chasing uh, either smelt or dace around. Just, but just really high in the water column? Yeah, there. right on the top. Interesting. He says, cast over there. He said, well, nothing over there. I said, just cast over there. And I says, okay, there's the fish coming. There's a fish coming. Just strip it in slowly. Fish coming. He's thinking about it. He's turning. He's looking at you. Bang! And the fish followed exactly the pattern what I had just to. said. Yep. And, and he was like, how'd you know that was going to yeah. do that? And I said, well, I, I watched it coming. Yeah. And I, I figured the timing. Right. If I could get you over there, you'd catch that fish. I've seen that on ponds before where a it fish would be fun. feeding, and then it's it's like going in a straight line. In a straight line. line. Almost, right. Right in a straight yeah. line. And I got him right out oh. in front of that fish. It was funny. We laughed at that yeah. for another hour. That's pretty satisfying when it when it works when out, I, too. When a plan comes together like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I had that. I had uh, 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 
one other evening with a client in the boat, we did the same thing, and we weren't we weren't eating dinner until nine nine thirty ten o'clock that night. And all, all, my my chef will just shake his head. He put a couple of dinners together underneath the heat lamp. Yep. And he knows. And I had one time it was too bad. I had a client. I was out with a client on that that had a camp on the lake, mm-hmm. and uh, it's gotten to be a. It's got to be an annual thing where he starts his fishing uh, with me guiding him. Cool. And that's how he starts his season off. Yep. And uh, we, I get his gear all straightened out and his leaders and tie tie his knots and stretch his line out and get everything. When do you guys move in up there? Uh, we're open, I think, the 20th of May. Okay. Yeah, I I go up there around the 5th or 6th. It takes me, it takes me those 15, 20 days to uh, get everything up and running. Sure. And, yep. and get it out uh, of winter winterization stage. So this that. probably would have been around uh, Memorial Day yep. when, when he when he when he hired me and we spent the whole day on the water. We hiked into one of the ponds. We fished the shallower end. Nothing was starting down there early. We had terrible luck. We we might have netted three or four fish that were just your 10 or 13 inch brook trout. Sure. There was no, no blue Nothing big, yeah, at all. Yeah, right, right, right. So I dropped him off at his camp around 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I was heading back across the lake. I, Grants was right in front of me, half a mile away, and, and I had a couple of fish come up, and rods in the boat, and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm going to go in. I've been in I've been in the sun all day long, and then I had, I had fish all around the boat, and I went and I'm at the drop off, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm between the two brooks, yeah. the two major brooks, and I'm like, I think I know what's going on here. Anchor went down, mm-hmm. pulled pulled the tied on a tied on a black ghost, yep, and. You just used never the floating got, line I never or? got back in until nine thirty. <laughs> I stayed cool. there. I didn't even after twenty fish. I wasn't even counting, and yep. I was catching salmon between sixteen and twenty-two inches long. Very cool. And every fish that I was able to cast to a ring, I would catch. Just I don't think I missed one. Yep. And my neighbor had said that he was going to come back out and fish, so I kept looking for him. I was yeah. going to go pick him up. Come on, <laughs> get old. Get, he never came down to the dock. Yep. He he, ne- he he never left the house, yep. and I'm like, I'm I'm like a quarter mile away. I could see if he had shown up, I was gonna go right over and pick him up, and he never came. Oh. And I just caught fish. I it was ter- I felt bad that have, I had to tell him. About I know he story. must have been like, oh, are you kidding me? Oh, it's great. So I had That's three cool. three days like that, two with clients and one on my own. Yep. And I've hit a green gray catch one time, um, and. For people that don't know in well, Maine, we don't is, get them like clockwork. Yeah, Not is, every body of water gets them. So yeah, this wasn't the green. No, 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 no. This but, was just streamer fishing with with big fish that had pushed some bait fish up near right, the surface. Right. And I I, I had my. Uh, but it was one of those days, is my point, where you're just like, you can't keep them off. Can't off the do line. anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. and that's like yeah. what a green dray catch can be like when you hit it perfectly. When when you when you're fishing the green dray catch and following it up the other side of the lake, and, yeah. and you get down to our end, you can get into them like that. That's so cool. I've, like I said, I've hit one, and again, for people who don't know, like 
it's not like every river has them, every pond, every lake has green drakes. Like there's just certain ones, and you think it's an elevation. Well, it, it's uh, it? no. You got to have about uh, twelve to fifteen feet of water in the in in the uh, the bottom has got to be uh, muddy. Yep. Uh, sandy muddy. Yep. A sandy mud. Do our rivers get green drake catches here? Uh, we don't see them on the Kennebago River. No. Uh, Hendrickson's. Uh, stoneflies. Yep. We well, we get the salmon fly and the golden stonefly on the Kennebago River. Yep. The salmon fly is the big black one with the orange, with bottom, the orange, with the on orange it. head, yes. and t- and uh, egg sac, and then it's got the, the the striped white on the wing. Yep. And then we got the golden stone, and the only place in Maine that I've ever seen the salmon fly, the black one. Is on the Kennebago, mm-hmm. and well, in our area, I've seen it on the Rapid, yeah, on the, the Galloway, Galloway gets it, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've never seen it up on the West Branch of uh, the. They get golden stones up there. They get the there. big goldens up there all yeah. summer. Yeah, in a in a tremendously good size sixteen tan over tan caddis. Yep, very very dependable. Yep, uh, fly for Maine would be the tan caddis. Sure. In the Golden Stone. Yep. Uh, all over the state, yep. but only our area, and it may you may be what you just said. It may be the elevation of our area. Yeah, if it's some stuff over by Katahdin area, because there are ponds around Katahdin that get they get reliable green drake or hex hatches every year. But Correct. It's it it seems like an elevation piece. You but know the stones, I, mean? I I think. Oh, you're yeah yeah I'm, yeah. I'm, no, I was no. talking about stones. Yes. Yeah. The green drakes. Well, well, after the green drake hatch, you get the hex hatch, the yep. great big yellow cream-bodied tan wing. Do you guys one. get that on the lake? There? We get that on the lake too. Very cool. And there's there's like five or six places that come off every year, and I've tied a nymph that is is just you know if you know where it's going to come off, mm-hmm. then then you don't have to wait for the hatch. Right. In the evening, right? You you can go over there and fish it during the afternoon, yeah, and fish the nymph down where the fish are eating the nymphs, and then yep. and then and then switch over to a dry. Are you doing that on a sink tip line or sink you tip just reach, line? Yeah, so you're kind of not like dragging across the bottom, but kind of slowly. Well, you slowly you slowly rising it. it up to the surface. Gotcha. And, and so it's it, you you kind of like you've got the nymph down there suspended about five feet below the surface mm-hmm. and you're just swimming it along and then when it starts to come up at the end of your a lot of times when it when it changes direction it starts to come up so you can make your next cast yep that's where you get the hit that's where you get the hit so yeah. you cast out you let everything sink down a little bit mm-hmm. and then and then you steadily bring it in and pause and I do the same thing with my uh, little gray uh, uh, nymph for the green and brown drakes. Sure. You you let it let it sink, and then you strip pause back to the boat. Yep. The same thing with the hexagenia and and lake fishing is is uh, uh, I, I think you you don't have the current to help you catch the fish, so the lake fishing is tougher. Yeah, you got to do more of the work. You got to do all the work. You right. got, you you've got to do the the speed of the thing mm-hmm. uh, is controlled by you. The depth of the thing is controlled by what line you use, mm-hmm. and with it with a streamer in a river or a nymph in a river, that's all. Con- that's mostly controlled by the current, exactly, and a little bit by you. Right, right. Uh, 
but uh, even surface, e even fishing a dry fly on the river, you know, it's got to be straight down. Right. Uh, unless it's an egg-laying cat. Yeah, the cats, you can, they're a little more forgiving. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in the streamer, you know, down on the cross or across and down. Right. Or... But on the lake, you got to be able to hit those O-rings with the dry flies, and no, you got to be able to make the cast. Correct. You're, you're doing all the work. Yep. And you really need to observe what the uh, what you're trying to match. Yep. You need to observe its motion, and, and it's because it's because the current's not going to be always moving it down. It's it might just right. sit there and flutter for a little bit. Yep. Uh, and so you don't want to be stripping a dry fly in if 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 the real thing is hatching. And it's sitting there and fluttering and then taking off. Yep. You you just want to still fish. Right. You know, and, and twitch it once in a while. Uh, so do, you, do you ever get in a situation, I've had this happen on like smaller ponds, but not on a not on a big lake like Kennebago, but um where you'll be you'll be fishing the area, the wind's kinda kicking up a little bit, and then you'll see some O rings, you know, hundred yards away or eighty yards away. So you go over there and then you go over there and the wind kicks up there on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough chasing. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I I uh, I enjoy the Rangeley boat, the wooden boat that we have. I, I catch more fish out of a wooden boat than yep. I do an aluminum boat. Yep. Uh, I I don't think it's as important if you were bass fishing or uh, warm water fishing, you know, with a plug and a you know a bait casting reel. But sure. uh, with with uh, fly fishing, it's I think it's very important to be stealthy and quiet. Yeah, absolutely boat. is. And yep. uh, if you got an aluminum boat and you got the kids in there and you're trying to catch a fish, it's you know it's tough. A lot of clunking around. A lot of clunking around. <laughs> yeah, and then you got absolutely. you know the seats are hot and you and the rivets nick your line. Cool. And uh, you know fishing out of a wooden our, our Rangeley boats, uh, we've got a fleet of uh, twenty in the water all the time. Did you acquire those from the previous owner when you bought I the I acquired camp? half of half of my fleet. I've got thirty two in all. Yep. And I've got a bunch of them that need work. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, I managed to have, you know, 18, 20 in the water, and then I've got aluminum boats. So we, we, it takes 30 boats to run the lodge. Now, does every, like, cabin up there get a boat or something? Is that how you kind of Everybody that things? wants a boat gets a boat. We gotcha. have 18 cabins. Cool. Sometimes we've got, you know, 30 boats coming and going. And yep. Other times we only have 15 because... You know, later in the season, the guys want to go down and fish the river, mm -hmm. so they don't. They won't run a boat. Run the boats They'd rather much, yeah. be on the river. Sure. Uh, so, who did but you? You can only get to the Green Drake in a boat. Right. So. Right. You know you. Uh, so we're always working on the Ramsey boat. So, it's it's funny. I the, the jobs. You started the conversation. You know what did I do before I owned Grants? And, sure. You know I I had. I had I worked as a as a, uh, a cook. You said you said you worked as a boat builder a too, though. Back I was building boats. You know, yeah. I was doing building homes. Yeah. I I've always been I've always done a little electrical, a little plumbing. Yeah. Uh, learned from my plumbers and electricians as I went, and then when I bought grants. Uh, I didn't realize uh, Carolyn was really uncomfortable about about it. And and I didn't really realize uh, that all of my advocations that I had had up to a builder 
perfect for what you're doing. And about the fly to do. fishing that we had been doing for right, you know, fifteen years up to that point, and the tying, yeah, and and all the contacts I had in the fly fishing community, yeah. uh, I uh, I didn't realize when I bought grants that it was a uh, the. I fit the job description. Absolutely, did all of those skills are what you need to run a camp. I mean, it, you got to be able to do your own plumbing, yeah. your own electrical, your own building, your, your own, own cooking, the fly fishing. You got to know about that. You yeah, mean, you and know I had done everything in my career. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a young man. Yeah. You know that you know we weren't we weren't on uh, uh, I wasn't we weren't on our cell phones or our iPhones right. <laughs> right. or we weren't doing you know the weed. Yeah, you oh, know, that's that tough, wasn't yeah. in that wasn't in my upbringing, <laughs> and to to mess me up. Yeah. So you're hard working and learning all, new things. I was learning all that stuff. Yeah, and and when I took grants over, and I knew the resource because we had been there for several years. Right, fishing it. My right. wife would beg me, take me out on the lake, take me out. On, we'd go up for five or six days in the spring and five or six days in the fall, Very and cool. it was just our little honeymoon away from the kids. Yes, yes. And we we did that for like. Four or five years. Yep. Twice a year would get away. Yeah. Well, one spring, we hit a we hit the green drake hatch. Incredible! You could never time it. Yep. And I felt guilty. The kids were fly fishing. We're up here, where the catching is easy, and so I had asked the previous owner if uh, if if he could put put us up. I said I'd like to go home and get the kids. So. The cabin we were in was big enough for a couple of cots. Yep. She said, sure, we'll put a couple of cots in. And, oh, that's very cool. And uh, we we drove back to Saco, got the kids, and yep. went back up. They never let us honeymoon again after that. Right. Wherever we went to Grants, we had to where take the kids. How old were they at that point? They were, uh, I, I think it would have been about 10. Yep. And... 13. Okay. So the nine and ages where they're engaged and like that. We're like, like in fishing. They were fishing point. and catching and yeah. going out on their own a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, Bobby would go out in the canoe alone mm-hmm. and the dock guy at Grants would stay and just watch him. Yeah. He'd have a life jacket on and he'd yeah. send him over to the spring <laughs> hole. And he was ha- as happy as he could be. That's we had so to cool. call him in to come to the, come to yeah. a meal. Man, that's yeah. a great way to get your kids addicted. And then so, giving me some ideas now. So, yeah. um, did you? Uh, how long did the previous people before you own it? So the camps started in nineteen oh five, and the grant they started building in nineteen oh four. They got a lease from the state of Maine. It's mm-hmm. on public property. Yep. And and they started rowing. Uh, the Grant brothers started rowing lumber the length of, from the other end of the lake, which there was a road to. Mm-hmm. Our, our end of the lake didn't have any access at all. Interesting. And didn't have any until, yeah. you know, uh, the 20s. Did they put the dam in at that time too? Yeah, the dam went in, the, 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 uh, the train went in, mm-hmm. and they started hauling. Oh, it was a full-size track. It went all the way to the Rumford Mill and came right up the valley. And uh, uh, they logged all winter, and that's how the customers got there. And the, and, and so the grants were originally loggers. They weren't there for the fly fishing boom that was kind of happening. 
Well, at that time too, right? Fly fishing on the lake started with Reverend Taylor coming in on uh, walking in behind the oxen and buggy, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there were there were woods trails, old Indian trails that that used to go in there, and they built a uh, uh, a shelter, a rudimentary shelter at, at, on the causeway. Oh no kidding! And before it was yeah. flooded, yeah. And they start. They were fit. They'd fish, uh, and in the Quasic. Uh, is this so? This is a few years after the the Grants had kind of. Well, this is before Grants. Oh okay. This so the causeway the was the causeway was there, but it wasn't connected, right? Well, it, was it wasn't like, even a causeway. It was just a big field at the oh, time. Okay. It wasn't a causeway okay. until until the twenties. So I'm they were you. they were fishing in there when it was wild and woolly, and there was no access. Yep. And then uh, Grant started in 1904. The, the the train came in. I I think during the teens, and uh, the logging took off. And then in the 50s, when the uh, the the hurricane came through, I don't remember what year, but it blew out all the bridges. Oh wow! And, and rail wasn't being profitable because uh, trucks are starting up, trucks right? are starting trucks and automobiles were taking taking over and and uh, I know we're trying to get back to rail in this country and fewer vehicles well there's so many of us it's it's working in some places but uh, that was the main access sure you know tw- you could you could board a train and be at Kennebago 24 hours later from New York City that's right crazy that was crazy back yeah. then and that's what they were doing like that's the whole carrie stevens thing right and all that yeah carrie stevens and you know uh, uh roosevelt and yep. eisenhower right they weren't driving automobiles or riding horses up there they're all popping on the train and they're all popping on a train to get to the lake sure so cool so the the grant started it they had it for 45 years but as logging operations right at, no, they were they uh, logging operation was taking place around them. Yep, and then they bought up a couple of the logging uh, abandoned logging uh, in the forties, mm-hmm. and then when they sold in, I believe they sold around forty five. Uh, so they sold those those logging camps to separate people and broke it away from camp. Gotcha. Broke it away from grants and just kept the core business that we have today. Yep. And then, then so, did, so uh, my, the I guess my question was: the sporting camp? Did the sporting camp start in nineteen oh five? Oh, I see. Okay, all right. Yeah, and logging was taking was place going around, around them. them. I the gotcha. train was coming in for the loggers. I gotcha. And grants guests. Right. Right. So somebody saw. Okay, all these people are coming up here from New York or from Boston or whatever, and. This is a great lake. There's good fishing here. Let's put some camps here and yep. have sports stay there, right? Yeah. Cool. Yep. Very yep. cool. So it's nice that they they did run logs down the Kennebago, you know, in the early 1900s. But with with the uh, with the train, they they were it was a full size. It wasn't it wasn't uh, the smaller. What do they call those trains? It is a small train. Uh, you know the the two foot track. It was the full size, yeah, full size track. Uh, they hauled logs out, and and uh, they so there are still a few logs in the river, 
But it's not loaded like the rapid and some like like the the West Branch or places like that. Yeah, the big, big rivers. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, So did it change hands a lot in between like the 50s? Since 45, there was a group that had it during the war, and they didn't do well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, the Davenport group bought it and had it. See, I bought it in 88. And they bought it in the '60s. Okay. Uh, and they they did a lot of work. They rep- they did a lot of work. They they leveled the buildings. They they put sewer system in. Yep. Uh, and we had electricity by then. Uh, so uh, I, but there was a fire in '77 that burnt most of the place down. There were. Like Late, the camps or the lodge or, or both? the lodge yeah. and most of the camps down. Interesting. So I've got, you know, six original out of 18 buildings. Yep. And, and that happened in 77. Uh, the Davenport group rebuilt it. So when you took over, you had some, you had a bunch of stuff that wasn't even really that old. It, it wasn't was, 10 years old. Yeah, that's great. I bought it in 88. That's so wonderful. It worked out pretty good. But, yeah. you know, I've had it. This will be my thirty-second year, mm-hmm. so you know we, you know we've redone all the docks, all the staircases, all the walkways, all uh, uh, all the exterior wood has been replaced with pressure treated, mm-hmm. and we're putting roofs on. We've done. We've put uh, electric heat everywhere, hot right. water everywhere, That's showers awesome. everywhere. Yep. Uh, we put new septic system in. We drilled the well. Do your cabins have wood stoves in them? Wood stoves everywhere. Yep. Uh, screen porches everywhere. Great. Those are important. Boat docks everywhere. So every yeah. cabin's got a, its own dock ah, instead of cool. instead of one central area. Yeah. And, and does your lodge act as a dining hall? Is that dining hall? Yep. Uh, we've we put picture windows all the way across the front of it mm-hmm. and. And uh, did away with the expanded it a little bit out onto the screen porch, so that's all, all dining area year round. All year round, it's, it's we're only open five months. Right. So, uh, then, the office we expanded the office out into, the screen porch, mm-hmm. uh, because it w- wasn't really being used. Right. It was just used for storage area, so mm-hmm. we made it part of the office, and then. Put in a playground for the kids. Nice. We have a nice area for the kids to, you know. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the woodshed. We converted into a, a boat shop, woodworking shop. Cool. And and uh, yeah, we've done a lot of road work. Yep. You know, we've ditched it, culverted it, uh, graveled it. Yep. Uh, so I could come in there with a Honda Civic, no problem. You can come in there with a BMW if you want. There you go. Cool. You know, no, no problem at all. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the road, nice. a little soft. We I don't I don't go in until uh, second week in May. Yeah. The roads are just too soft up there. You tear them mm-hmm. all up. You know, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, because I I'm the one that's got to go fix it. Yeah. If I tear it up, do you I end up regrading them almost every year? Uh, we grade it. Uh, Middle to the end of June, okay. after everything's firmed up real good, we'll, we'll give it a good grading. Yep. In the meantime, you know, 
we've got all the trees cut out of the road. We've tried to clean the ditches and sure. and uh, uh, we've tried to pull the rocks that might have pushed up in the spring, you know, in the in the frost. Yeah. So the road is in is in uh, the best shape it's ever been since okay. I've owned it. That's but cool. it's taken. 32 years of work to get the road right. I can't even imagine all the maintenance, just yep. just with the camps themselves and then all of, like, the surrounding land, you know. you got to keep trees in check and the yeah. roads in check and stuff you with know, the water in check. Broken, broken water lines and mm-hmm. trees down on the power lines. And yep. it's, uh, y- you know, uh, well, we, we've got trees from last November and December that blew down that we've got to go back in there this spring and clean up. Yep. We, we weren't able to do it because of the snow last fall. So we'll have to do that this yep. May before we open. And it's it's uh constant. Yeah, it's constant, constant maintenance. Right? You know, it's just like think of your house. You gotta you gotta paint it every now and then, you gotta put a roof on it every now and then, you know, you gotta sure. mow your lawn and maintain that and now, what do you have for staff up there? Do you have, do you have chefs? Do you have housekeepers? Do you have, um, do you have other maintenance people? Or all you... of the above. Yeah. You know, we have. It takes. Uh, it takes about four, thirteen of us to run it. Okay. So we have two chefs, uh, three to four waitresses, three uh, dock maintenance people, two housekeepers, two people in the office, dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two chefs. I Two chefs. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you end up doing most of the time? Everything. Everything. Do you do you do a fair bit of guiding? I do a fair bit of guiding. Yeah. I I I uh, uh, I have uh, three oh, three guides that I give a lot of the fishing to, but I do I do a lot too. I can't do it all, so I I spread it around. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you know. Cook gets sick. I I can go in and cook. Uh, I've I've picked up that trade. Yeah. And and uh, I'm I'm not a chef, but I'm a pretty good cook. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and food at food at most lodging, um, most fishing lodges is always it's always a big hit for people. It's well, it's, it's the one thing you can depend on. You can't always time the hatch or guarantee fish or good weather, but yeah, you know, uh, you can give them a good experience. Yeah. Three times a day, yep. and it keeps it keeps people coming back and fr- friendly and yep. you know. Well, and just being, because um, I've stayed at a few fishing lodges in and out of Maine over over my last ten years or whatever. I've been fishing a lot, but I find that the dining hall is like a really cool spot to just meet people and like you just. Sometimes you end up sitting with another couple or another few couples, and you end up like learning about them and becoming friends. Even so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we were customers there, we would try to go at the same time when mm-hmm. other couples were there. That's cool. Yeah, and that we made a lot of good friends that away. way over the years. And the kids, you know, had friends to play with when they got there. Sure. So we would. We would plan our vacation, or you know, with other people. That's and really helpful for people to. A know. A lot of people do that, and yeah. a lot of fishermen do that. Yep. You know, uh, and you know, you, you you know, it's it's very most of the time. You know, in the evening, you know, if if it's uh, if there's a hatch, the guys are out of the dining room as <laughs> quick as they can. Right. Uh, but if it's a wet, rainy day, they'll hang around and yep. and swap stories in now, the dining room. Do you guys? Uh, do you? time your meals kind of around the fishing in some ways? Well, you, you, you got to 
also think of your employees. They've been true. there all day That's long. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. You know. That's such we, a hard thing because the fishing can be great from 6 so to 8 So we'll do lunches. Yeah. yeah. If somebody wants to go out and stay all morning long and come back in. Yep. Uh, the, the, the coffee and the, and the pastry yep. uh, cupboard is always open 24-7. Wonderful. And if there's a, if there's a, a chef in the kitchen, mm. you know, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll do breakfast even if it's 10 o'clock and you come in. That's very, that's uh, great customer but service. But we try to, try to get, most people will follow our, our schedule of, sure. you know, 7.30 to 9, right. 9 a.m., 12.30 to 1 for lunch, and then 5.30 to 7 for dinner. Yep. And then in the spring, you can still get out there and do two and a half hours fishing in the evening. Yeah, because it's all after light. After dinner. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't get dark until 9 sure. o'clock. Do you often, uh, do you pack lunches for people who want to go on the river and stuff? All the time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, bird hunting, just about everybody that bird hunts takes a lunch because they're, they're driving a ways. Yeah. You know, they don't want to. Come back for come lunch. Come back for lunch and then drive back to the cover. Right. So, uh, you know, of the 30 or so people or 40 or so people that we have in camp, 85, 90% of them will take lunches. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll pack a nice lunch and and just do breakfast and dinner for yep. them. When does the lake close? October, the end of October. Okay. So the, so the lake, the river closes and... The end of September. September, but the lake stays open through October. Correct. I thought that. So, so you guys have cast and blast opportunities for people then. Correct. That's very cool. Yeah, and then if we want to fish uh, river in the fall, mm-hmm. we we'll, we head down to Upper Dam. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's a, that's extended uh, season. I've had some uh, great. I I had some. Gr- I had a great fall there this year with yep. a, with a friend of mine. I've been hearing better things the last couple of years about it there. In well, the fall. now that the construction's done, yeah, uh, I think things are getting back to normal. Yeah. They they didn't change anything downstream. So the eddies and the flow, yep. the main the main current, the eddies are still down there. Uh, nothing down there changed. What they did change, which is upsetting, is that the fishing platform that used to be at the base of the dams are gone. Yep. So there's no more. There was like four piers there. Right? Yeah. Before. You can't. So there's there's not. And and I thought that was part of the. I thought that was part of the application and part of the uh, agreement. Agreement, yeah. and and they they didn't they didn't. That's just hard because there's so, so much. Now you're fishing so from you, know, you got a big horseshoe area to fish. Yeah, and then the guys the guys in the boat can get right out in front of the dam. Yep, and the guys from the shore can't. You can't, can't get over there. No, it's too deep. So. That's too bad because there's just so much history in well, that one is. spot. It you is. Know. You ever walked across the dam and gone over to Carrie Stevens's house? You know, I haven't, um, and I may be mistaken, but I think I was talking with Scott Eldridge, who owns Eldridge, and he owns Carrie Stevens Camp. He okay, owns all right. That. So I was I was right about that. So yeah. I'm trying to work my good graces with him so I get an invite someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's easy to get to. I mean, it's a great uh, guy. Yeah, to get to and stay there, it would be neat to stay there and say that you cool. know you stayed in her house. I know, you know, I know. She wasn't home. No, he but, uh, he's he told me that he doesn't he hasn't gone up there as much because I think he's I think he's upset about the dam, but I think he's I think he's coming back around and trying to get back up there. Well, somewhere, yeah. So. yeah, I think it drove that you know the length of the construction like three years or so. It's gonna be so drove everybody out of there. Yep. And and uh, so when you're not fishing there you're finding places to fish right well now now it's like okay i'm 
I like where I am, and I I got all this like opportunity over here at Upper Dam, but I found so cool. other places to fish, and it's probably driving Scott crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but I, it's it's an interesting. Uh, we do a uh, uh, a Kennebago history package. Cool. We do a, we do a Rangeley history package where we take people into uh, Upper Dam. We take them over to uh, uh, the Aquatic Museum. Yep. Uh, we take them uh, when we can. We try to get to uh, uh, Upper McGalloway where Eisenhower. Fish oh yeah, Little Boy Falls and stuff. Little Boy Falls. If sure. We can, if we can get in there, sometimes I can't get the key. Yep. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, we 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 show them the lake. And we give them the history of all the camps because uh, uh, Harry Converse, uh, 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 Firestone, mm-hmm. uh, built one of the camps on the lake. And and uh, a guy named Dodge, Dodge Automobiles, built a camp <laughs> on the other side of the lake. Wow. So besides uh, uh, Eisenhower and Roosevelt fishing there, yep. uh, we've got... You know some history around. Yes, yeah, so people some can pretty successful people. Yeah, you know, and and so you know you're doing uh, we'll we'll, we'll do uh, fishing in those different spots yep. and offer people a package. Yep. And we'll guide them around and and uh, give them a little history lesson. Neat, at the same you know, time. They can say, hey, I caught a fish here and I caught a fish there. That is very cool. One of my uh, uh, quests now that I'm retired and I'm. Footloose and Francie free all winter, mm-hmm. for the most part. I've I've got my hobbies, but uh, we've squeezed in uh, some cross country trips, and we've we've traveled around the United States and keeping our money in America, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, so we got we did thirteen thousand miles four years ago. Okay, and we did ten thousand last year. So every other year we take off. Gotcha. We usually take off right at the end of February. After the the twins have their birthday in February, yeah. we hit the highway. Cool. And are you stopping in fishing places as you're going? All over the United States. Yeah. I can talk fishing with you uh, in in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, saltwater as well as fresh. And Very cool. So I said to my wife, we were around Springfield, Illinois, heading home. And I said, you know what would really be neat? As if I could catch a fish on a fly rod in every state of the United States. <laughs> that's the goal goal. Yeah. So that's my goal. Good for so you. So we're heading. So my wife looks at me instantaneously. She goes, when are we going to Hawaii? <laughs> I went, oh, I put like my foot in my mouth. Continental U.S.? Oh, yeah, I should have said continental. Yeah. yeah. And she said, I'd also like to go to Alaska. And I was like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. I put my foot in my mouth. So I'm taking her to Hawaii in a couple of weeks. Very cool. So we, I've been looking into bone fishing there. Nice. And uh, uh, so that's... I've yeah. heard great things about bone fishing so she's, in Hawaii. So she can't, get, she can't get enough shopping in. Yep. And I can't get, I can't get to beans fast enough to uh, <laughs> get all talk, talk fishing in Hawaii with anybody that knows anything about it. Right, so, right. Well, there's a lot of cool. shops I see on the internet. There's a lot. There's a lot of fly fishing opportunity there, uh, so 
I'll be able to check that state off That's after cool. this winter. Do they have any freshwater fishing there? There is. is. Yeah. And I may try to do that, too. Cool. Uh, but I'm right now my goal is to catch a bonefish. And now, have you hit every state in the continental U.S.? Or no, I've hit 20. This will be my 27th. 27, okay. All right. 27. Cool. Yeah. And you've probably hit most of the Northeast. That's pretty. That's pretty. Well, easy. I have. I haven't caught any. I haven't done Vermont. Oh, interesting. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I it's not that Vermont. far. I mean, I just just haven't. No. Uh, Usually, when you leave the Northeast, though, you don't go through Vermont. You know, you're going. Yeah, I'm heading. I'm south. heading for. I'm heading for the Salmon River in Pulaski, or I'm right. heading for the West Branch of the Delaware. Right. And, uh, and Vermont. I fished Pennsylvania on the way through. I fished uh, Yellow Breaches. And and I I can't seem to get away from that river. Yep. Uh, and I fished the Latorte, uh, un- cold springs there, un- unsuccessfully at the Latorte. But uh, uh, never never fished Vermont. I've got a buddy that lives in Vermont wants to take me. Now that I've decided to do this, yep. I will. Oh, you got it. I will go. I will catch a brown in Vermont or a brook trout in Vermont one yep. of these days. Yep. Uh, so I'm assuming you've been to Montana, even out west and stuff. Yeah, Montana, Wyoming, Wyoming, Colorado, yep. Idaho, 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 yep. uh, Oregon, uh, Utah. Heard, heard New Mexico actually has New really Mexico, good. Mexico, I did last. I I did New Mexico sure. last year. Yeah. Rainbows and browns. Uh, rainbows and browns. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was fishing uh, the San Juan in uh, New Mexico, in uh, New Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, right up on the the top, the nor- northerly part. Uh, there's a there's a place called uh, the Texas Hole up there, and it's it's down. Just you can see Navajo Dam, a uh, quarter mile away, and I caught several nice rainbows there and I said, you know, I wanna get to the other side and and uh try to try to get away from the parking lot fishing. <laughs> and I, I worked my way down and got opposite the pool where everybody was fishing and I, I hooked I hooked bottom and uh you know I'm I want that fly back, so I'm I'm moving around trying to change the angle, trying to pull that fly up. Yep. I was nymphing. Yep. And all of a sudden the bottom side is swimming away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how big that was, oh. but the fly shop had fifteen and twenty and twenty pound brown trout on the wall. I've heard this a really big one. And today. I'm like, I think I hooked something that big over there and yep. I never got that fly back and I never got to see the fish. Yep. Yep. Uh that happens I was pulling <laughs> when it started swimming away from me, and then yeah. bing, and I didn't realize it. Right. You know. Right. Uh, but but uh, little little uh, size eighteen, uh, coronamid. It, it's just it's just a little red. Yeah, that's what I've heard out there. They're just red really tiny nymphs. For, all, for I mean, it's fish. just one. It's just it's just like yarn, not yarn, but it's just like just thread, just like thread wrapped around a hook. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it's and it's. Uh, Bright neon red, mm-hmm. and and uh, I did well with that on uh, the green in Flaming Gorge in in uh, Utah, mm-hmm. which is probably probably right 
now that's probably my go-to place. I love it there. Very cool. But uh, I I will still be going back and and fishing in the San Juan in New Mexico. But there's yeah. uh, so I that's going to be the hard part about your goal, though. Is you're going to want to go back and fish some of those other spots. Yeah, but I got to travel fun, through so. these places. That's true. That's so true. I got you know I I haven't caught anything in Washington State. Yep. I have caught fish on the day shoots in in Oregon. Yep. But I've I've got a friend that is on Oregon coast and owns a motel that's a customer of ours cool. that wants me to come out for steelhead. Nice. So I'm going to try to time that. Yep. And uh, I'm going to get to the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State out off uh, Seattle. Yep. And, uh, they get steelies there too, they right? They get steelies out there. Yep. I, I, I read about that in National Geographic. I saved the article. Cool. So I, I, I know where to go there. Yep. Was it, was your, no, I, I might have misread your goal. Was it to catch a trout in every state or catch a, just catch a fish in every catch state? Catch a fish on a fly rod in every state. Okay, fish on a fly rod, gotcha. Yeah. Because I'm thinking Kansas, Oklahoma. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have trout, but. Yeah, I want to fish uh, who knows. the Russian River in, in upstate California. Mm. Is, uh, and, and I've been to L.A. and we drove through it, but I, I, I didn't really have this goal until. Just this past year, sure, and it was three years ago we were out there. Four yeah. years ago we were out there. Have you been in Northern California before? Yeah, we drove all the way up. We went all the way up the coast, but I didn't take Route One Hundred and One on the coast. We just went up through. We 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 left L.A. Yep. We went through uh, uh, Bakersfield mm-hmm. and into Yosemite, and then out and into Redwood National Forest, mm-hmm. and then right up through uh, Winnebago. Uh, into Oregon, yep. uh, we went down, uh, uh, we did uh, Bonville Dam, and we sure. did, we did uh, that, what, what is the name of that river that's out there, the Colorado's the, in Moab. You're talking about Oregon, the, the Deschutes? Are, the, well, the Deschutes goes into that, that big river system, the Columbia, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we followed that down, crossed that over into Washington State. But we do other things, you know. We did when we were up up in Seattle. We did the Boeing, you know, the Boeing plant tour. And, yeah. And and we when we were in Springfield, we we did everything, Lincoln. Yep. You know. Uh, that sounds like a wonderful trip though. Before you start so gearing we, up for we're your season doing every just year, fishing. But we're doing a lot of the museums. Yeah. And, That's very cool. And I have customers from all over the United States. So I'm at Lee's Ferry. In Utah, mm-hmm. coming up through Arizona, and uh, uh, I pull into Lee's Ferry, and I'm buying my day pass. Uh, we, we were going to stay just outside in a motel. It's a nothing town. I sure. mean, it's really a nothing town. It's yeah. like, it's like a, there's a motel that has a restaurant, and then there's a, then there's a filling station, that has a gift shop. Yeah. That is Lee's Ferry. Yeah. Period. Yep. And a bridge that goes over the Colorado. Yep. But there's a flat stretch above, and a, and it's that is the beginning of the Grand Canyon. So there's a flat stretch, and in 20 miles above the Lee's Ferry, mm-hmm. that you come to Lake Powell. Uh, 
and for 200 miles on either side, it's the only place you can cross the Colorado River. No kidding. So it was very, very popular in the day. Yeah. And and uh, when you when you see these uh, when you when you do a Colorado River trip mm-hmm. on these on these 30, 40 foot rafts. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they start. Gotcha. That's where they Ferry. launch okay. from. Okay. But but for I knew I've heard the name of the for town. About a half reason. a mile there, on either side of that boat launch, is yeah. fishable. Oh, okay. And so I I had a, a I I'm buying my day pass to go in. And this this car does a U turn, puts his window down, and starts screaming at me. <laughs> he goes, John Blunt. John Blunt from Grant's Camps. What are you doing here in Utah? Oh my gosh, that's crazy! And it was one of my customers that yep. comes for a week. Yep. Uh, and so he took me down and showed me around. It's so cool. Kind of guided me for a morning. Yep. And uh, and told me about the San Juan. Yep. So we drove over there when we were done fishing at Lee's Ferry, and I, I caught some nice browns there. And and uh, the one of the things you got to learn about fishing out west. Is, is the water is usually pretty dirty, mm-hmm. muddy, mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to fish near an impoundment. So all that silt settles out of the water, and then the water coming out of the bottom or, or the middle of the dam. In the in the case of Flaming Gorge, they they take the draw water out of the middle. Yeah. So that. So that. The river stays warmer year round that way. Gotcha. So they have a winter fishery. Yep, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, it was cool. I, yeah. I, I'm fishing in in a snowstorm. Yep. Catching brown was it trout like March? on blue wing olives, size sixteen blue wing olives yeah. oh, in so a cool. snowstorm. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> it cool. was crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you you go with the flow when you're and it's and it's fun. It it brings the it brings the sport back out. You know, like okay, I've got. My flies that I've tied for the for the green drake on the Kennebec. Yeah, you know right? Grant's and I the know, back of your hand. Right. I know that. Right. But you you start traveling, and it's like you're going to become a fisherman again. Yeah, you got to become learning. observant. Yep. You've got to yep. go back to the vice. Yep. You've got to go back to the fly shop. You've got to read. You've got to, you know, you know. You got you know it's 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 uh, and I like that. Of course, it's yeah. it's more of a challenge sure. than fishing in my backyard. Sure. So the traveling. Uh, That's very. Cool. I mean, you know, one, you know, we bump into crazy, crazy. You got to be careful of the laws out there too. Right. right. You know, like so we we uh, hired a guide on the day shoots in Oregon, and and uh, the guy says you got to take your waiters. And I'm like, we're in a drift boat, right? And I'm like, he says, we can't, we can't fish from the boat. So, so I can take you to, to get a to sandbar, spots. sure, and then you can fish. <laughs> yeah. But you got to get out of the boat to fish. Yep. So I mean, you got to be, you got to be a little barbless hooks. Yep. Uh, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to really. Uh, when they got fragile, when you have really fragile ecosystems or fragile fishing i mean they're going to have a ton of stuff like that where you're going to pay attention to those things yeah and, and then and then you got you got the the ditto and you got the rock snot mm-hmm. you got all you got the the chinese snail uh you you run across this stuff out west that 
when you get home, you want to be, uh, you you want to be uh, in 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 the motels, the fly shops have, uh, you can wear your waders inside, but but they've got a a pail outside, a disinfectant pail to step in okay. before you go into the shop. Yeah. And so, you know... We're not we're, as careful about that here in the East. I well, mean, our I, water's cold, and that stuff doesn't survive well around here. Right. But uh, the, we we do have our our millweed, and we, we have a, a lot of uh, billfoil and a lot of bad stuff that's just over the border in New Hampshire and right. Vermont. Right, And we have it in southern Maine. So you... You have to be careful. You have to, uh, if, if you're canoeing uh, from southern Maine to northern Maine or boating, yep. uh, you, you clean your paddles, wash the bottom of your boat out, watch out for the wheel wells around your, your trailer yep. and, and your prop. You know, you you clean that stuff off before you. I go have to seen those signs where they're asking for invasive plants from our oh, boats and geez, stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you you've got to be careful. Uh, when you when you're traveling the country, sure. you don't want to bring that stuff back to Maine. Absolutely, no, we don't so need that I, here. I clean my. I've noticed some Galloway over the last couple of years, and like the month of August is getting quite a bit of. Um, I just call it rock snot. I don't really know the term for it. But Slimy. Yeah, it's getting whatever, pretty bad, yeah, like in August and whatever it is. Uh, it goes kind of it kind of starts to go back away as the temperatures cool and stuff, but it's like every year it's just been getting kind of worse and worse. Or I don't maybe it's just because I'm fishing it more. I'm just realizing it but it's a pain in the ass you know knocking off your nymphs or stuff that's yep. Yep. hitting rocks all the time yeah so. i don't know what that stuff is there uh yeah if you're nymph fishing or streamer fishing you're, you're, you're getting that <laughs> yeah you're getting that it's, it's as bad as leaves in the fall yeah you know yep. so and so just going back to grants really quick so um what other activities do you guys have there for people that maybe aren't there to fish i'm sure most people are there to fish but not everybody well you know that that change, you know, we start out with uh, heavy fishermen in the mix, uh, but then in July and August, you know, we do a lot of family activities. Cool. So we offer uh, fly fishing schools. Mm-hmm. We have an outdoor survival school now. Nice. Uh, we uh, have a playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, a large uh, float out front. Uh, for the kids to bounce on. Yep. So a lot of swimming in the lake then. A lot of swimming in the lake. Very we've cool. got uh, kayaks, paddle boards. Uh, we've got uh, sunfish sailboats, canoes, uh, the the outboard the boat motors, yeah. uh, the beach. Mm-hmm. You got a couple of be- you got three be- nice beaches on the lake. Uh, we have uh, bikes in camp. Cool. Uh, do, you know, you do Can people roads. do hikes right from camp there too? Right from camp, just yeah. just bike around the road. You know, yeah. it's not the road is not a through 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 road. We got nine miles in and out the back gate, and you can do a loop out there around Little Kennebago, and or you can you can drive over and hike the mountain. Yeah, uh, fifteen minute drive, and you're at the head of the, the trail, and yeah, you're talking about the Kennebago mountain, Kennebago right? Kennebago mountain. Yeah. You can you can hike up there. That that's about. Oh, it depends on your an hour and a half. With a family, you get up bad. there, up and up in an hour and a half back. There's a tower at the top too, right? There, there used to be a, a fire tower, but uh, now there's a, uh, a, a border border security oh, okay. uh, center up there. Yeah, and they've got uh, 
listening devices all up and down the Canadian border because we're right on the border. Yeah, it's not far. Ten minutes outside the back, outside the camp, and you're you're at the Canadian border. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so they've got listening devices all up and down the border, and yeah, and uh, they've got really uh, they got that station there. They got another one at Oxbow. They're trying to pick up radio signals, then, right? Yeah, they have listening devices on yeah. the border, and because I've come across the border when hunting, Ooh. like, and no, I didn't go across. I'm saying I've come across, it, and it's all just a big cut swath. I mean, it's a big it's, cut swath. Yeah, I mean, most I'm sure people don't really know that though, because you're like, well, if you're way out in the woods, there, it's like, how do you know the border? Well, they've cut. I mean, pretty much. I think the whole state of Maine, or at least that whole western. The whole part. state of Maine. I've been. I've been on, uh, and it's every state. I've been on. Okay. Uh, I've been in Newport. Vermont, yep. Lake Memphremagog, yep. And and we we've been out on Lake Memphremagog, and and you can see the American border go right across yep. the lower third I, of the lake. There. I've also seen a bunch of uh, on the Canadian side. I've come I've come across the border twice when out tracking deer and stuff, and um, it seemed like these little like hunting, I don't know, you call them towers or something on the Canadian side. Yeah, not from not on the U.S. side, but the Canadian side. So I. I've never, right I've never there. dared to cross the border. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, cross it. I they've got it. ground listening devices. They've got, they've got TV cameras. Yeah, radar. Yep. I mean, they they really watch the border closely, and sure. and they've got a, uh, a border patrol center in downtown in Rangeley. Yep. Over near the school. I see those guys on the logging roads a lot. And uh, they've got helicopters and snowmobiles and yep. ATVs and sure. Uh, anybody they 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 know you're crossing, yeah. And uh, there aren't very many ways out of the woods up there, right? So they know where you're going to come out. You're going to come out on a logging road. You're going to come out on the logging road. You're going to come out on 16. Yeah. There's only a couple of places on 16 to come out. Right. Once once you cross the border. Right. I mean, you aren't getting out of the woods. No. No. So. Uh, and it's not much it fun isn't bushwhacking like the Mexican either. Border. No, it's a little different. <laughs> if the if if the border patrol don't get you, the black flies will. Yes, they will. <laughs> yes, they will, and it's thick up there. So. Oh, the snow. Yep. Well, it's very cool. Um, just, and just just a couple more things about Grant. So, um, what are your, what are your rates for like a for a night? Has do you have to spend multiple nights up there? Can you come up for one night? How does well, that? I come up for one night. I I I like to do three night minimum in June, but the rest of the year I don't. Yeah, uh, but the rates are anywhere from one sixty five to one ninety five a day, depending on season. Yep, and that's uh, that's for your your three meals in your room. Yep, yep. yeah, and that's pretty standard. And it's funny because I've you know I've talked to people about fishing camps before and stuff. And they're like, oh, it's so expensive to go and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, listen, if you're gonna go to like Boston for a night, catch a Celtics game, go out to eat. You're gonna end up spending what you spend two nights going to a camp, correct. and you're supposed to there or something. So it's all in priorities That's for people, correct. you know. You're gonna spend as as much money, like, so when we travel the country, yeah, you know, our average overnight is probably, you know, one thirty-five, right? Yeah. Unless you want to play, stay in a place where there's mice. And a little scary. Loose, <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. really know who the neighbors are in the right. old car park next door right. I mean you want to you know 140 a night yeah and then and uh, that's not even your meals that's that doesn't your... include your meals right. right and then your gas you, you know your gas and where you know so we spend about probably spend 300 to 350 a day between yep. food overnight gasoline yep and 
licenses in different states to fish and right. stuff. So and that's no different than going to a sporting so camp or even go lots. to grants and you just and and the nice thing about going to a lodge and there are like a hundred of a hundred hundred and twenty of us in the state of Maine. Really, there's that many. Yeah, but they're not all <laughs> members of the Maine Sporting Camp Association. Gotcha. Uh, but the nice thing about going to a lodge is that you go and you stay there. Mm-hmm. So you're not like go to Old Orchard. You know, and you know, driving. Where are we going to eat tonight? What are we going to do today with the kids? Right. Where are we going to eat this afternoon? Right. You know, just you know. You're you, there. You, you got your you're, plan. You're just you're there. Yep. Your boat's right out front. Yep. While you drive back to the river, we've got uh, uh, six miles of river next to the road to fish. Wonderful. And you just drive over there. Yep. And that's all behind the gates. And so most people aren't fishing that. You're not getting uh, pressure there. You know, semi-public. Yeah. Uh, use. Very cool. And it's. It's very, very relaxing and quiet there. Yep. You can swim across the lake over to the beach and not worry <laughs> about... We don't have water skiing or... Yeah. Or, uh, uh, sorry, we don't... If you want, you know, we don't offer water skiing. We don't offer... Uh, you know, big motors. You know, big motors on the... Small on the motors. Yeah. Is there a limit for the lake? Well, we try to maintain... We, we, we The association... And we try to keep everything under 10. Yeah. Uh, the other end of the lake, uh, we couldn't get, we, we did get jet skis voted off unanimously. But the other end of the lake does have larger motors. A lot of those camp owners down there used to learn how to water ski when they were a kid. Sure. They didn't want to give up their big motors. So they water ski on the other end of the lake. Yep. But they don't start that until July. Right, and the fishing's kind of changed. And the fishing's gone by then. Spots, you know, right. We don't even go down there. Yep. Uh, but up on our end, it's all small boats and motors. Wonderful. Yeah, so big motors don't go well with fly fishing, that's for sure. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a, a, a good compromise. Yep. For and is it fly fishing only on the lake? Yeah, fly fishing. So there's, no, the troll, largest, there's no trolling then, so you're not the dealing with that. The largest fly fishing lake uh, east of the Mississippi. No kidding. That's yep. very cool. That's a cool yep. fact. Nice. I wish I knew. I don't know if it's always been fly fishing, but I think it has because the Reverend Taylor, uh, the sports writer from New York, Charlie Southard, mm-hmm. you know, in the 20s and 30s, Reverend Taylor in the late 1800s, everything was fly fishing back then. Yeah. So uh, when, I, when I look at their logs at the museum, uh, it's it's interesting, uh, uh, and that's one of the nicest fly fishing museums around. I think, yeah. I think it is the nicest fly fishing museum in the state of Maine. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And uh, it's, it's it's really well done. It's as nice as the fly fishing shop in Manchester, New Hampshire. That that's a um, I'm sorry, Manchester, Vermont. Vermont, yeah. Yep. And I've been to the one on the Beaverkill down in the Roscoe area. Yep. It's it's at, it's it's on par with those That's three, those really other two cool. shops. Yeah, those are big time because Roscoe is like the time. capital of fly fishing. They call those it, are right? big time. So and and it's it's on Very par cool. with those, and and it's getting bigger. Yep. How late are you guys open in the season? When do you end up closing up shop? Yeah, October twenty fifth this year. Okay, gotcha. You know, we. Uh, Close. We we do uh, cast and blast the whole month of October. Yep. And we have uh, we probably have the the most bird dog power of anybody in the state as nice. far as guides and and bird dogs. Yep. 
And do you guide? Do you guide yourself? I or, do. I, or, I have uh, uh, English setters. Cool. So uh, you know, we do everything from uh, English setters, Brittany's. Yep. Uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon setters. Uh, we've I, got. For people that don't know, too, like Western Maine is an. I mean, it's an awesome spot for grouse hunting. It's it's it's. Western Maine is loaded. close to home. Yeah. For Southern Maine right. and in New Southern Southern New England. Yep. We we have good grouse hunting up around Baxter and all those roads. Up yeah, there. I mean the Allegash is really known for Jesus, really great. It's a but, six or seven hour drive. Yeah, there. it's a poke. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, I've the got Western my Mountains, I've got my limit many days without a dog in the Western Mountains, and that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty good if you think about. It. You see a lot when you're out yeah. just walking or driving. So yeah, we we have uh, a variety of cutting that takes place up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clear cuts are great. Interesting. You know, the, you know the state allows, you know, I think up to four hundred acre clear cuts. Mm-hmm. So they're not contiguous, you know, to, to be a big patch that's been cut, you know. Uh, but but uh, as those grow back, when they get to be ten, twelve years old, and, yep. and the saplings are an inch to three inches in diameter, and and the trees are tight, yep. there's a good canopy there. Yep. The trees at that age have food that's what the partridge like and to go after. grouse you know we, interesting it's grouse haven yep, yep. It, you know the, it's it's uh uh and they like pop like poplar trees too well they they like poplar a yeah. lot yep but the tree that is the most important in maine for grouse is the golden birch okay there the seed pod stays on all winter uh, and then, and and that's what they eat. So they'll and, feed once the snow starts falling. So, well, even yeah. before that, okay. They're they're heavy into the golden birch trees. Yeah. And and uh, I I try to know where as many groves are as possible. Cool. Uh, to to take my sports to. Sure. But uh, in the spring, of course, the uh, the seed that comes out of the poplar tree uh, or the aspen uh, they that'll bloom in the spring and and the grouse get a good spring feed and a good start interesting on the the poplar seeds I've seen I've seen uh, half a dozen grouse in a poplar tree and they're just they're just eating the grapes I mean they're eating like you know, uh, like a Roman gladiator eating grapes, yeah. you know, and just <laughs> gobbling up the, on them. Yeah. the seed pods. You know, it's just off, usually after they mate off the branches. Don't they? Don't they mate in the spring? You generally they mate in the spring. You can hear them yeah. drumming. Yeah, I hear uh, that they, in the early fishing. They like to days. find a hollow log. The male will get on a hollow log. Yeah, and he'll let his presence be known, oh, and man. and that amplifies the drumming of his wings. Yep, and uh, they do a count every spring. Yep. You know, the end of May, there's a, a group uh, of, uh, there's an organization that goes out all over the state of Maine, and they get an idea that way of of how many birds made it through the winter. Right. Uh, Sometimes they say, like, a rainy spring can lead to a tougher, like, fall harvest. Well, here's, here's the thing. There's two things that are, that are uh, very detrimental to grouse. Uh, ice storms. Mm-hmm. 
and the grouse survive by burying themselves in the snow to keep warm. Mm -hmm. And if they get uh, frozen in and they can't get out, uh, that's bad. Yep. That'll that'll really hurt you know an area. And the other thing that is is uh, is equally as tough is the uh, end of May, the first couple of weeks of June, if it's after the chicks have been laid and, yep. and, and, and have hatched out, they, they, don't, they don't start out with a nice downy protective layer of, fur, of, of feathers. It takes about three weeks. Yeah. And so if it's, if it's rainy and cold and windy, yeah. the mother can only protect two or three of them. Interesting. Interesting. So she can, but the, but you know she might have so ten of them. The cold rainy you know, and they'll all die except for the two or three lucky ones that she can, she can, she can cuddle around and no keep, keep keep warm and dry. Yep. So uh, if you get a a nice spring like we had this past June, yeah, where we had a little bit of rain, mm -hmm. uh, every week, yeah, but we didn't get that great big two-day windy cold temperature drop storm last june mm -hmm. Ooh, we were seeing uh we were seeing clutches of you know seven eight birds that's wonderful on the road that's when wonderful. we were going out to you know get supplies in the spring sure and uh uh that's gonna make you feel good oh about that was great fall. you know i'd <laughs> you'd have a flush but uh you'd have a you'd have a flush of uh Five or six birds, you just didn't know which one to pick out. Sure. In the, you know, that's and, so cool. And uh, so. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not a bad last problem hunting, to have. Hunting last fall was great. And, yeah. and if, uh, if, if those birds all made it through the winter, yeah. you know, uh, then if we have a good spring, we'll have a lot of birds this fall. The, uh, for some reason, you've heard, you've heard of the cycle that they have out in Wisconsin? No. Well, they have the same grouse out there in yeah. great numbers, but they cycle. Interesting. And, you know, every eight or nine years, it'll, the bottom will just fall out, hmm. and then they'll build back up. Yeah. And we don't we don't have that. No. I, and it, I don't know where they yeah, get... Yeah, I've never even heard of that. Where they get so. more ice out there. Right. Or they get worse yeah. springs out there. Yeah, if every eight or nine years you just get like a really, really perfect storm of those things. But that could wipe in it out. Maine, we don't have that cycle. Yep. And maybe one of your listeners would have the answer to this, but we have a red faced grouse. Mm -hmm. the, we, we, we'll have birds. Uh, That's different than the spruce grouse, right? The spruce grouse are black with a red head. Yeah. And you, you can pick those out. Not If you're hunting in the fur, it's awfully tough. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have an eye for it. I could pick them out. Um, but you only have about two, two and a half, three seconds to shoot them. Right. So you you got to identify quick. That's it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. In this, but, uh, in I've only in seen one in my entire life. Out. In the sunny days, you can pick them out real quick. But, yeah. but the, we, we, the grouse, some of the grouse go through this strong red phase and, and they'll, they'll, uh, they're, they're basically... You know the color of of your molding here. Yeah, uh, and then they'll they'll change over to gray. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that is. None of the guides uh, that that I have, and I've I've got some professionals 
that has been doing it, you know. All I guess you're right because I've shot more. I've shot some that are almost like a golder color, and then I've shot some that are like gray. dark gray. Yeah, and that's usually the majority of them are dark yeah. gray. But and you only you only yeah, get a golden one once in a while. I never thought about that. And I I, we, I don't know what that is. Yeah, uh, I have no answer. But we we have uh, woodcock. Yep. Yep. And and the woodcock flights come in in our area. Mm-hmm. They don't everywhere. They come down out of Canada. When Canada starts getting really bad weather and it gets nasty and cold, yep. the woodcocks start flying south for Louisiana, Texas yep. border. I hear them sometimes too. They're like, they make this. this the way you can hear them, you can <laughs> go out and see them dropping into the hills in the yeah. evening just before dark. Almost impossible to shoot them without a dog, right? Uh, yeah, it's really hard to you find step them. on them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but the dog covers so much area. Mm-hmm. That he'll let you know they're there before you, before you, you know, he'll, let, he'll point them before. Right. So and don't a, you have them like hold, they hold, right? And then when you give them the command, they pounce on the bird and that's what flushes no, it up? No, you, no. Really? No, they'll, no. They'll just the pounce? dog holds yeah. and, and, and the hunter walks up in front of the dog and flushes the bird. Oh, okay. With the dog behind you. Gotcha. So you don't have the dog do the flushing part? No, then. sir. Interesting. No. And the dog should hold, a good dog, uh... And if you tap him on the head, yep. he's trained to go pick up the bird for you and bring it back. That's cool. And and I've never had a dog miss one. Wow. The dog the bird the dogs will follow that bird right to where it drops yep. and go find it in the trees in the bushes. They're just incredible. So animals. they they uh, I I could not believe the dropping a bird in the thickest stuff imaginable mm-hmm. and the dog, you know, is just sitting there watching it all happen. Yep. And he'll go pick that bird up in. in so not only is he, it's not just a smell; it's also his vision. Like his he's, vision, he's so and he, and he, focused on and he, it. He's focused on it. Yeah, and and it's it's where oh. his drive is, That's and it's cool. just a blast to hunt behind a a well trained yeah uh, bird dog. That's wonderful. So do you guys uh, do you cook up the birds for people at camp? There? We do. Nice. We do. Nice. We uh, the thing about uh, wild game is is to get it off the heat as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. In other words, cook it. Yep. Don't let it dry out because there's very little moisture in it. Yeah, you got to eat it fresh Very lean, no fat. Yep. Very little moisture. Yep. And, and you just want to flash it on, you know, in butter and white wine, you know, in a very hot pan to start with. Yep. And then get it off the pan. Yep. On a bed of lettuce and I've froze it before and ate it months later, and it just does not have Dries the same it effect. It yeah, it's not even it. close. No, it's no. so good with just some, like you said, some butter and salt and pepper. I just butter it, salt and pepper, but the wine's a good kick. Yeah, little touch white too. wine with the, with nice. the butter, uh, and then uh, red wine with it. We'll take the uh, woodcock and we'll uh, soak them in uh, salt water or, or, or milk mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. And then you drain that off, uh, and then you cook them in butter and red wine. That's very cool. Uh, you you can throw in if you like uh, uh, olives or something to cut the cut the flavor. Uh, but it, it's still cooked very quickly and get it off right. the heat because right. you don't want you don't so, want your game. So for people listening, you can in the fall time go to Grant's, shoot a partridge. Tie some flies with it over the winter. Come back in the spring with these soft tackles and 
catch some trout right back at Grant's. That's catch pretty you, cool. Yeah, fish. Yeah, that's fish full cycling right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And you guys have you have brook trout and landlocked salmon in the lake mostly, right? And a and a few brown trout. Really, they, they were put in there by mistake. The hatchery that the salmon came from back in the twenties yep. uh, was raising trout. Yep. They stocked fish very small size, mm-hmm. and they didn't distinguish that they had trout and salmon mixed. So we have a few browns. Yeah, since the, since the nineteen twenties. That yeah, I've been encouraging forward. people to haul them out. So we we keep. I I try to get people to keep the browns. That's incredible. And but it's not hurting. It's not necessarily really hurting the brook trout. Well, I think too I think it. I think it is. I think uh, you know our brook trout are, you know, historically eight, nine, ten pound brook trout when that region was open up, mm-hmm. and no one has those fish any longer. No, that's Labrador uh, stuff. That's Labrador now. Yeah. But uh, I've caught three pound brook trout that that have had a big mouthful taken out of the side of them. No kidding. And that's whole, not from a salmon. You know, the, and uh, yeah. that is not a salmon or a trout. That's a brown. Yeah. That's an 8 or a 9 or a 12-pound brown trout. Do you find that there's more brook trout or more salmon in the in the lake generally? Brook trout. More brookies, yeah. Brook trout. But those evenings that I spoke about earlier where yeah. I was coming back, mm-hmm. uh, the salmon had pushed up a bunch of bait fish to the surface, and yeah. that was all salmon. That's very there cool. There no trout in that, yeah. in that school. Very cool. But, How about the river? Do you get more? It's mostly brook? trout. It's mostly trout on the the hatches. Yep. Yep. Uh, the green. And so you're the not brown. getting big. You're not getting salmon on the hexes or the green we are, and stuff. But it's not mostly as many. trout. Interesting. Yeah. I've never actually caught. Well, I haven't fished many drake hatches in my life, but I've never caught a salmon when I've done that. It's always been brookies, but um, now in the river, what's the ratio of salmon and brookies there? Almost all salmon. Almost all salmon, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. And uh, your big brook trout show up in the fall. Yep. And they're scattered uh, the length of the river, and you so you're lucky to catch one. Yep. And the way I pick them up is that I've I've fished there so much that that I I've got some places that fish consistently well for brook trout in the fall. Yep. I, I know where they're. Yeah. I they know come back to the same spots. Yeah. Uh, but they. Uh, they don't live there all summer. The yep. salmon do. Yep. They come up in this. Everything drops out of the river. Uh, the brook trout don't drop out of the. Some of the brook trout stay in the river all winter, but the salmon drop out. Yep. So we don't. The only thing we catch Memorial Day in May or more Memorial early June are the brookies that are holding over. over. Yeah. And then the salmon come up about the third week of June. Yep. And they're there all the way through to the end of October. Very cool. You know, end of September. And how about in the lake? Do the do the fish all winter over in the lake? They they do. They, yeah. Everything winters over. They go up into the the four main tributaries to spawn in the fall. Yep. It's it's a ball to uh, take my bird hunting clients and walk them into a spawning bed and show them, and show them what's going on. The brook trout. That's really cool. Uh, it it's funny. Uh, uh, we may all be grown-ups, but we've still got some kid left in us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll show grown-ups spawning brook trout, and they get all giddy and excited over that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's it's kind of neat. It's very uh, cool to see. Or I'll I'll show them a moose yep. or some other form of wildlife, uh, and uh, uh, 
the old guys and the middle-aged people get just as excited about that yep. if they live out of state and that isn't something oh, they huge. see a lot. Yeah. Seeing moose for people is a huge draw to come into yeah. Rangeley. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, and, uh, it's a huge deal. So I've literally I've seen... Been fun. Yeah, I bet, because you get to, like, out of season, you'll see those other species and other yeah. animals and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, Rangeley's very popular for people coming there for moose, and but you get to see them almost in a more natural setting, just being in behind the gate there, yeah. where it's just not a lot of pressure, and yeah. that's so cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, my first golden eagle was seen on our lake, and I'd never seen, you know, anything like that. And uh, uh, we've got bald eagles. Uh, we don't see them every day. Yep. Uh, I, and, and I haven't seen the golden eagle for a couple of years now. But there was a stretch there where I, I used to see it three or four times a summer. Awesome. And the osprey and blue heron, um, you know, big birds, uh, we see them. And Do you have people come to also bird watch sometimes? We do, but yeah. not, not, I, I, it might be a market for me. Yeah. I, I, uh, I have uh, a couple of people that have, are recorded like 80 different species in one one float down yep. the upper river. We take people up the valley all summer. Yep. And, and they do the canoe trip back to Grants yep. with their family. And yep. I've had bird watchers record everything on the way back yep. and give me the list. And it's anywhere from 30 to 80 different species of birds that we see up there in the summer. That's incredible. Uh, cedar <laughs> wax wings. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, oh, what is that? Peleated woodpeckers, uh, stuff that isn't common. Yep. You know, you're up in the main woods and, you know. And you must also get people who come for the foliage. The foliage is well. incredible. It starts, uh, in northern Maine and just kind of works its way down. Yeah. And... Usually and, second week uh, of September, right? It kind of seems like it starts. Yeah, I would bit. say it, we, it starts. It's it peaks the 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 end of September. Yeah, and uh, the first week of October, and then by the tenth of October, we've had a storm or something. We'll lose all of our leaves. Yep. And that's when and the, that's about gets the fun time when the woodcock show up. Right. When that bad bad weather hits, we get yep. the leaves fall. The woodcock from Canada start to show up. I love when those leaves fall because it's easier to find birds. <laughs> it's a lot. You get another to second them. to you, you get do. another second to shoot them. You do that first week of October is such a tease because you, it's hard. It's a it's potentially the most difficult week, and you'd think it would be there'd be more birds in the woods, but it's really hard to see them once they you get off the road. There, if you haven't got a dog, you're uh, screwed. You, you're, you're really screwed. Yeah, you are. You really are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm never successful that first week. Yeah, I love I love my dog. I'm uh, going to find out tomorrow. Want to do a sonogram on my my uh, my setter, and we'll find out tomorrow if she if she took. Very be cool. About, be about forty days. How old is she? Five. She's five. That's perfect. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I might have I might have a new puppy out of it. Cool. This this. We won't won't be ready to hunt. No, no, no. But, but yeah, but we camp this year. Get acclimated. Yeah, what you do is you get them interested. You get them fetching. Yep. And housebroken and and fetching mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you get them interested in birds. Uh, 
with uh, feathers and and then uh, but next year yeah next year I'll get a little production out of her that's wonderful awesome yeah. well John it's been really great getting to know you and like learning about grants and and uh, all the wonderful things you guys have to offer so thanks so much for coming on the show sure. here oh, you're welcome I appreciate it's been, it been a fun afternoon yes sir awesome you can find Grant's Canabago Camps on the web at grantscamps.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast.